Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online church service. I'm so happy to greet you in the joy of the Lord today. For those of you that are watching on live stream, we had some uh, technical difficulties in which the message was recorded for our Sunday broadcast, but after the recording was completed, uh, it somehow vanished off into cyberspace, and we actually had that happen uh, multiple times. So I'm back a little bit later than normal, but nevertheless, so happy to be talking to you today one-on-one -on -one about the good Word of God. Now, today we're going to study the role, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. I think you'll find this subject very fascinating, but before we jump into today's content, let's begin by receiving the holy tithes and offerings. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I think that's amazing because when the Spirit of the Lord is welcome and when there is freedom, let's say in a house of God, in an assembly where God's people are gathered together, when the Spirit of the Lord is there, there's liberty, there's freedom. So people are happy. People are smiling. Uh, there is a joy. The, the praise and worship has a, a happiness to it. The message is uplifting. And the whole thing is something that glorifies the Lord, even the tithes and the offerings. And so when the Holy Spirit is there, there's liberty when we yield to the Holy Spirit. You know, the opposite of that from a financial perspective would be the clenched fist, you know, like, uh, God, you're not getting any of my money. And it's a greedy, miserly type spirit. But if a person yields to the Holy Spirit, you know, one of the first things they want to do as a person gets to know the Holy Spirit is a person wants to tithe. That's one of the first things that the Holy Spirit will, will reveal to any believer that wants to be taught. See, the Holy Spirit reveals the, the Word of God. He leads us and guides us into all truth. And anybody that will open their heart to the ministry of the Holy Spirit will end up merging into a stream of tithing and being a liberal giver. Why is that, Pastor Stephen? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's not bondage, not a poverty mindset of withholding, but there is actually a spirit of freedom. And that's actually financial freedom as well, financial liberty and joy and happiness in the Lord. So, really the Holy Spirit makes every facet of our life free. He enrolls us in the art of liberty. Praise God. And when, you, when you're free, you're happy. Praise the Lord. So let's begin today by receiving the holy tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. For those of you that would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 3456. Our city is Mooresville, North Carolina is our state, and our zip code is 28117. I know that many of you like to be more convenient and expedient in your giving. Both are fine, and so many of you also choose to go online. It's safe and secure and available 24 hours of the day. And you can visit the ministry website to give online. Our address is stephenbrooks.org, and there is a homepage link called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there now and bring your tithes and offerings into the ministry storehouse of the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, bless your people today with a full measure of liberty and freedom in you through your Spirit and in their giving. Let the, let the joy of the Lord be on your people, Father, as they give, as they receive, as they function in life with a liberal, happy, 
giving spirit. And Father, we thank you for this. We thank you, and we just ask you for more seed to sow. You give seed to the sower. So, Father, we ask you for more financial seed to sow, because I know that your people love the soul. So bless them with that seed, Father, that they need, large seeds even. And we praise you for this in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I, I'm telling you, your income is going up. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. And we will start today in verse 15, and we will talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's my desire that after this teaching, you really think about and toss around the idea of the Holy Spirit becoming your best friend. And that may be a statement that you haven't heard before or haven't really considered. But I think if you will warm up to that thought, you will go on an adventure and journey, unlike anything you've ever experienced before in discovering God. Praise God. So Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken the Word now as we're going to study your Word, that He would guide us into all truth, bringing that light. Now we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, when I talk about light, we are discussing inward illumination, but a lack of inward illumination will be evidenced oftentimes in a lack of outward illumination. You know, uh, I grew up in a wonderful church in the sense where the gospel was preached and, you know, we loved the Lord, but we didn't know a lot about the Lord because we didn't really put any emphasis on the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when I grew up in church for the first 20 years of my life, going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, think about that, three times a week and hardly ever missing for 20, uh, 20 plus years, I never heard one message on the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I remember there were a few times that me and some of the other teenagers in the youth group would ask perhaps the Bible teacher, the, the Sunday school teacher, you know, about the Holy Spirit, you know, who or what is the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit was kind of like explained to us like this mysterious almost like a force, like a fog or, uh, and it was, you know, so we couldn't wrap our minds around anything concrete concerning the Holy Spirit. So it's very important to understand that he's not a force. In other words, he's not an inanimate object. Uh, I think a lot of people have seen so much, they, they've, they've watched more Star Wars movies than they, than they spent in the Word of God. And so they think the force, there's a good force and there's an evil force. But really that concept, that religious ideology comes out of Hinduism and Buddhism, where you find a inanimate force of good. But that's not what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a vaporless force formless, uh, you know, like mist or something like that. He's a, he's a person. He is the third person of the deity. You have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, Israel has always been a, a monotheistic nation in the sense that the Lord said, I am the Lord thy God. I am one God. Okay, I'm not 10, I'm not 20. You know, there's not a whole bunch of us. There's it's just one God, one Godhead with three distinct persons. It's, a, it's an amazing mystery. It's really three in one. It's maybe probably the simplest way to think of it. But one God comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it is very important to have that knowledge that the Holy Spirit is not some kind of just, you know, uh, like cloud material. He's a person. And even in the Bible, when you see him on the day of Pentecost coming in like a rushing mighty wind, that doesn't mean he's a wind. Uh, he's not the wind. Now, he can be like the wind, but he's not the wind. He can be like fire in the sense that he cleanses, uh, and there's oftentimes heat manifested. He came down on the day of Pentecost, 
and came up on the 120 gathered in the upper room with cloven or, or divided tongues of fire over the heads of the believers, but he's not fire. He, he is a person. Praise God. I think all of these things help clear up our understanding of the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River, John saw the Spirit come down, and it looked similar to a dove, but he's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a bird, but there, there's just these different similarities. I know in the Greek, we'll talk just briefly about it today from the perspective of the Holy Spirit being a helper or advocate in the Greek, it actually is paraclete. And I think sometimes people think we're talking about a parakeet. No, we're not talking about a bird. We're not talking about him being a dove. He's not an animal. He's not a cloud. He's not fire. He's not, he, he is a person. He's God. He's a person. Just like you're a person, he is a person, but he is God as a person. So knowing these basic principles of the Holy Spirit, will allow you to have fellowship, conversation, and encounters with Him that can be life-transforming in your walk with the Lord. Okay, so John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So I believe obedience is one of the greatest indicators of love. And to actually do what the Lord said, to carry it out in difficult times and in good times, that really is where the proof of the pudding is at. It's in not just saying you'll obey, it's actually going out and doing the commandments of the Lord and keeping them. Verse 16, and I will pray. So, and being a conjunction, meaning there's more uh, continuation based upon the initial premise of obedience. Okay, so obedience equals the blessing, obeying the commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. Now, this is another helper besides Jesus. We know that Jesus is wrapping up very soon His earthly commission, which is primarily to die on the cross for the redemption of lost humanity who has been separated from God because of sin. And Jesus is going to make provision for our atonement through his shed blood. Well, he went on to accomplish that through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. All of this based around the glorious act there at Calvary. So he's, he's already thinking of his transition his departure and his replacement when he is gone. So he's going to give them another helper. The thing is that when you study the Bible, you see many of the same words attributed to the Holy Spirit to describe him also used to describe Jesus, but yet they have different types of ministries. Yeah, there are similarities, but they're still different in their operation. You'll actually see in the Bible that Jesus, Messiah Jesus, is identified as counselor, comforter, mighty God, prince of peace. You see words, you even see the word advocate uh, ascribed to Jesus. And you think, well, those are some of the same words ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Yes, that they both function in these roles, but they're a little bit different in the way they carry them out. Jesus is also identified as helper, but yet here the Holy Spirit is identified as helper. And I like the word helper. I actually like the word that the King James Version uses, which is comforter. I think when you consider the word comforter, it has a more encompassing feel of God's goodness. Now, we all would agree that God helps us, but the word helper, helper um, it leaves a little bit uh, on the table concerning all that God has packed into this description. That's why we need to dig into it a little bit. So the Holy Spirit is the replacement for Jesus when he leaves. So Jesus was limited in the sense that he was in a earth body. He became man. God became man, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
And so in order for God to be with us, he had to come into the earth illegally. That means he needs a physical body. Ah, but the moment he takes that physical body, he is now limited to the rules and regulations of the natural realm. In other words, if he's in Nazareth, he's in Nazareth and he's not over here in another city at the same time. He is in Nazareth. So there's limitations. But when the Lord was going to leave, he knew that the new helper coming on the scene would not have those same type of restrictions that he had. Back in that day, if you were on the earth with the original 12 disciples and you wanted to spend time with the Lord, where you, you had to be where he was at. You had to get into those classes that he would teach early in the morning there at the temple when he would go out to the country and teach sometimes by the Sea of Galilee. Well, if you wanted to hear the message, you actually had to go where he was at. But now that the Lord has physically left the earth and the Holy Spirit is here, what's amazing is that the Holy Spirit never, ever leaves you. I mean, you can wake up with God. You can enjoy your day with God. It's like Jesus have, it's like having Jesus with you 24-7. It is a revolutionary event that took place on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came into the earth to stay and abide forever with God's people. So, you know, nighttime, morning, noon, God's there. If you want to talk to God, you can talk to him anytime. You don't have to go to Nazareth and knock on the Lord's door. Lord, I, I just want to come by and spend time with you. Well, through the Holy Spirit, you can have God fellowship at any time. Wow. Praise the Lord. So Jesus said, the father will give you another helper. Well, the word helper can also be translated as comforter, and that is one of the most beautiful descriptions of the Holy Spirit. You know, there could be times when maybe you're facing discouragement, things are going uh, very difficult, you're having challenges, you, you can feel like little progress is being made, you can have those moments when faith may seem weak. And you just think, Lord, what's going to take place? It's often during those times of your weakness when the Holy Spirit can come and just embrace you and bring comfort to you that's beyond anything that can be even described from a psychological standpoint. This is something that, that just warms and heals your spirit. It builds up your, your peace and it calms your mind, your body just becomes so relaxed. It is absolutely amazing the ability of the Holy Spirit to comfort God's people in the midst of trials and difficulties. I've had times before where the Holy Spirit would come to me and wrap his arms around me. Remember, he is God, but he is God who is a person. And he would wrap his arms around me and just hold me. And it would be like a blanket of love. It's like just getting uh, encompassed in a blanket of love. And he just hold and squeeze in every care, every worry, every concern just melts away. And then very slowly, after a few minutes, he'll just very slowly release that firm grip and slowly let go. And you're just like, wow, thank God for the Holy Spirit. He can bring comfort that can really comfort any situation, whether there is a death in the family, something tragic, something that has greatly upset you, something that has uh, caused psychological trauma. The Holy Spirit can bring healing unlike anybody else on the planet. And you really need to know him as your comforter. That is one of the primary titles and, uh, and one of the descriptions of the work of the Spirit is to be the comforter. So let's go a little bit deeper because he is able to do for you so much more. Jesus said, I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now the word helper in the Greek 
which is uh, from the English perspective, sometimes we see the word helper, sometimes we see the word comforter, but in the Greek, it's actually the word paraclete. Just say that with me today. Learn a lot of Greek today. Say the word paraclete, okay, paraclete. And I want to, in just a few minutes, give you a fuller description of what the paraclete does, but let me give you a brief synopsis so that you can have some easy take-home stuff that will just stick in your memory bank. And if there's nothing else that you really kind of like recall from today's message, please recall this. The paraclete in classical Greek and Roman literature was a person usually an older person, sometimes a father or a, or a father type figure. It would be an elderly person who would come to you and walk side by side to you. This person would take your right hand and hold your right hand and walk with you and teach you, instruct you, guide you, counsel you, and have sweet, intimate fellowship with you. So today, in your understanding of the Holy Spirit, if that one word picture is all that you recall, that alone is enough to launch you into a new encounter with God. The Holy Spirit, as God, lives on the inside of you, but also He, he is a person who can stand next to you and hold your hand and walk with you. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to like literally go out in a park and take a walk with God. It could be that you're just in your devotional time and the Holy Spirit draws near and you sense the Holy Spirit. You sense a person because he is a person. Anytime there is a presence, there has to be a person behind that presence. What is the presence of the Lord? It is the person of the Holy Spirit and he will come and he will walk with you. It could be, uh, in essence, physically that you're sitting down. You're maybe not walking, but you're sitting down in your devotional time. But yet he comes, and he'll come right next to you. He'll hold your hand, and he'll say, let's, let's discuss uh, this thing that you're wanting to do. And he'll begin to go over things with you. And if you will learn to talk about what he wants to talk about, if you will learn to flow with him, and discern what's on his heart, you will make unprecedented progress in your walk with the Lord. I think it's very important for us to understand that the apostles, particularly Peter, what they could not become by walking next to Jesus for three and a half years, they did become within just a few days after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The recklessness that was in Peter, the uh, tendency to get into the flesh of even cursing and using profanity uh, that Peter would get into, everything that Jesus sowed into those men, everything that he taught them by pouring his life into them became activated when the Holy Spirit came upon them and those men blossomed into full apostolic ministry. And the next thing you know, the Pharisees are looking at these guys going, how, uh, how did these guys become like this? These are the uneducated fishermen. How do they have this type of ability to talk and this authority? And they're, but then they realize, oh, they had been with Jesus. So it was the input of Jesus, the DNA placed into them by the teaching and the ministry of the Lord, coupled with the Holy Spirit coming on them that turned them into men that turned the world upside down. So my friends, it is vital that the Holy Spirit as a person have liberty and freedom in our lives. You know, from my perspective as a minister, I, I really don't want to minister anywhere where the Holy Spirit is not invited. If the Holy Spirit is not welcome, I already know that the meeting is not going to accomplish much because the greatest things that are accomplished is when the presence of the Lord is manifested. 
Well, what is the manifested presence? It's the Holy Spirit coming forth. And you'll discover in your Christian journey that when you go to a new level, when you receive a new revelation, when you experience a breakthrough, these things take place through the manifested presence of the Lord. Praise God. That's what's so marvelous about the Holy Spirit. He can be with you all the time, but that doesn't mean he's always manifesting. It's during the manifestations that great teaching, great revelations are discovered and your life is transformed. You know, right now I'm talking to you, so I'm not at my house, but there is an element of my presence at my house. All of my clothes are there. All of my belongings are there. My books are there. My notes are there. The plates that I eat off of are there. The chairs that I sit in are there. So there is, to a degree, a presence of Stephen Brooks at my home. But where is my manifested presence at? It's right here. This is where I'm manifesting my presence at. It's to you. I'm talking to you. We're we're having a good time together. So the Holy Spirit can always be around the people of God, always be in the people of God, but it's his manifestation when he comes forth. That's when the voice of God comes forth. What is the Holy Spirit from the perspective of of his role? He is the voice of God. Jesus is the face of God, but it's the Holy Spirit who speaks what he hears the Lord say. Praise God. Well, when does the speaking take place? when the Spirit manifests Himself. So, this is very important that we recognize the role of the paraclete who draws near to teach and to instruct and to guide us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, we see what theologians call types and shadows. That's a theological word to describe reading natural real stories that have prophetic symbolism attached to them. Remember the time that Esther was going to go before the king and the king was going to make the final decision of choosing a new queen. And you have all of the finalists and there's hundreds and hundreds of finalists and she has made it out of all the uh, attractive ladies in the entire empire, not just within the nation, but their entire empire. They have all been gathered together. She's in the finalist and all of the other ladies, they're out shopping. They're going to the, the, the uh, high-end fashion stores. They're getting the most elegant dresses. They're getting the most beautiful dress shoes. They are purchasing on the king's credit card uh, wonderful jewelry. They're going to make the best presentation of themselves before the king. But did you notice that it was the king's advisor, the king's counselor, who came behind the scenes to Esther and said, this is what the king likes. If you wear this, this is the type of clothing that the king likes. What is this man, this advisor and counselor being portrayed as? He is a symbolic prophetic reference of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who speaks to your heart and says, this is what the Lord likes. And the better your friendship becomes with the Holy Spirit, the more pleasing your life can be with the Lord. I'm telling you, your closeness with the Holy Spirit can get so dialed in, you'll even know the mood that God is in. I already know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Stephen, God's not moody. He's, he, uh, he's just like steady all the time. Well, he's not moody from the perspective of bad mood, good mood, you know, angry, not like that. But God, God has moods from the perspective that you begin to come into the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit just helps your understanding to know the Lord wants a song and he doesn't want a praise song. He wants a worship song. So you sing a worship song and maybe you sing the first stanza or the the, the second one. And then the Holy Spirit, then he'll let you know, oh, now he wants a praise song. 
And so you begin to move into that. It, it is possible for an entire congregation to be moved completely by the Spirit of God, by the invisible uh, symphonic conductor who can lead and guide the entire church into worship. But you can only do that when you're really, really in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is manifesting very, very beautifully. Praise God. But yes, that can happen. And the whole church knows what the next song is. And it's not on the overhead. It's not on any script. It's not on the bulletin. It's just, uh, it's just all spontaneous. It's prophetic by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows what the Lord wants. And I think that can really help praise and worship leaders, because if you're a praise and worship leader and you're singing a song and you realize, hey, there's there's nothing. This is a great song. Nothing wrong with the song. Good words, good everything. But the spirit's not moving on it. Well, you don't have to keep singing it. You can just skip past it. Go into the next song. Praise the Lord, because you're looking for what the Lord likes you're looking for what he likes. And it's the Holy Spirit who knows what the king likes. And the, the better your understanding and relationship is with the Holy Spirit, the easier it is to please the Lord. Absolutely. Because he knows what the Lord likes. You know, I've, I've shared this story before, but I think it's very helpful for people to understand this because this will help you to continue to grasp the truth that the Holy Spirit is a person. I was ministering years back in a, in a church that was meeting in a temporary meeting place. And so the pastor had rented uh, this large banquet room and there was a, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in our own room, but on the other side of the wall, there was another room that had been rented out to another group. So I'm, I'm in the room with all the people preaching and ministering and taught them the word of God. And then after I finished teaching the, the Holy spirit began to come into the room with his manifested presence. Okay. And I sensed that the Lord wanted to heal the sick. The Holy Spirit just showed me that the Lord wants to heal the sick. And I told the pastor, let's sing a worship song. It will help that anointing to get stronger. The Holy Spirit will continue to come forth and because I could feel the anointing, which is the healing anointing. I could sense that direct anointing. See, there's a thousand different directions you can go, but it's the Holy Spirit who says it's a healing anointing. The Lord wants to pray. He wants me to pray for the sick. Okay. So I go that direction. Sometimes there's a prophetic anointing. The Lord wants me to prophesy. Sometimes it's something completely different, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. What types of truth, the truth of the word and the truth of what God likes and also what he doesn't like. So this is very, very helpful. I mean, even the word helpful is so, uh, it seems to leave the fullness of what this, this is feeling short, but this is just so awesome to have this type of guidance and help. It is absolutely incredible. That's what the Holy Spirit will do as the paraclete standing next to you. And so as the pastor began to lead us in the praise and worship, that healing anointing got so strong on me that I said, okay, I'm ready to minister. Well, when I began to get ready to minister, lay hands on people to pray for the sick in the, in the room next door, there was a Maharachi band and they had begun to start up their playing. And there was a trumpet player, a couple of trumpet players, and there was an electric guitar. And I could sense that the Holy spirit didn't like that that, that it was, it was contrary to what was sacred and holy taking place in our room. And I, I sensed that, uh, the Holy spirit could leave. And so I asked the pastor, I said, I said, please start playing again and turn the volume up a little bit louder. And he could tell what was going on so that I can hopefully drown out this music over here from this other room. And so that the Holy spirit can begin to touch the people as I pray for them. And I held on to that presence of the Holy Spirit as strong as I could. But when the bass player in that next room kicked in with the bass, you know, dum, da, da, dum, da, dum, and you know, it was, they had the bass turned up so loud. The Holy Spirit 
lift it up off of the meeting. And it, to me, he looked like, now, now remember, he's not a bird, but to me, he looked like a beautiful dove. He's not a dove. I'm not saying he is a dove, but the similarity of a beautiful, graceful dove lifting up. That's what it looked like. So I can understand when John saw the spirit coming down and he looked like a dove coming upon the Lord. I know exactly what that is like. Well, the Holy Spirit just lifted up off of that meeting and completely left. He completely left. And I'm standing there now uh, completely absent of that tremendous healing anointing that was on me. You're never going to see the great miracles and the real good stuff of God without pleasing the Holy Spirit. And if you just think that you can do your own thing and kind of shove it down the Holy Spirit's throat and say, well, this is my style and this is the way we run, you're never going to get heavy into the glory. It's all about what he wants and you have to cater to him. You have to find out what's pleasing to him and you want to host the presence of God. What is the presence? Anytime there is a presence a sensible presence that you can sense. What does it mean? It means there's a person. There's a person who is ushering forth his presence. Who is that person? It is the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So, you know, I told the people, I said, I said that healing presence is not here anymore, but I can still pray for you because look, Stephen Brooks knows how to pray the prayer of faith. And you can always pray the prayer of faith, even if there's not an anointing. You get the people to come into agreement with you that by the stripes of Jesus, they were healed. And then you just pray in the name of Jesus. And just that mighty prayer of faith, I've seen many people healed, even miraculously healed through that alone. But greater healings on a larger scale take place when the Holy Spirit comes on the people because it's the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. So if you want to see the really, really good stuff, you must find out what's pleasing to the Holy Spirit in a similar way. Anything that would be displeasing to him in the sense that it would grieve him. By the way, you can't grieve a cloud can you? You can't grieve a vapor. You can't grieve an inanimate force, but you can grieve a person. You can grieve, you can wound the Holy Spirit. Well, he will leave. Absolutely. He will. Now, when I say he will leave, he as a person never leaves you. Jesus said that he may abide with you forever, but his manifested presence can withdraw and it can leave. And it's in the presence that you want him to stay because it's in the presence where the change, even the greatest changes in your life will take place. Praise the Lord. And you have to understand there are many Christians that love Jesus. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven, but they have never ever their entire life experienced the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. They, they've never, they've never encountered it. Why? Because they don't know how to host the Holy Spirit. Many churches, they have good church services from the perspective of everything's in order. Let's have some songs. Let's have praise and worship. Let's have a good message. And then let's close and let's dismiss. And that's a wrap. But it takes not just the leader, whether it's a pastor or the apostle, whoever is running uh, or overseeing that ministry or that church. It takes not just the man of God, although he's key. He's key. It takes others who can also ride that wave with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And I'll say this, for the most part, if that person in leadership, that pastor, that man or woman of God, if they cannot flow with the Holy Spirit, it's very difficult for the church to move in the glory because God works through the chain of command. He works through the head down. Psalm 133, the oil flows down over the head of Aaron 
comes down over the head, over the beard, and then down over the garments and over the body. So it has to come through the head first. God's not going to skip the pastor and just go straight to the people. No, he does it through order. So that pastor has to be able to pick up on that leading and yield to the spirit and follow the spirit. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that can be quite interesting because sometimes the Holy Spirit likes to change things. We, we can have order. We can have a message. We can have notes. We can have preparation. And it's very good to do that. But you can stand in a pulpit or you could go to uh, a work assignment and think we're going to do it this way. And the Holy Spirit begins to move on you and something completely different flows out. Whatever that is, remember God is omniscient. He knows everything. He already knows what the people need before they ever get there. So it's always best to go with him. If something has to be overridden, if there have to be changes, then you need to make those adjustments and go with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So when it says that the Father will give you another helper, it is the word paraclete. It is the person who comes and stands next to you, holds your hand, and talks to you, and guides you, and counsels you. Now, this word has even more depth that I want to go just a little bit further with it. I don't want to overwhelm you with technical information, but this will help you to have a better perspective of the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. In classic Roman and Greek culture of the day, and much of this has even been recorded in ancient tablets of judicial court systems and court cases of that day that have been found preserved that modern scholars have read and studied. If you were on trial, let's say that you had to go to court, you are on trial, and the judge is listening to you defend yourself, and the judge says, look, I know that what you're saying makes sense, but what the other person, your opponent is saying, you know, they're, they're making some strong accusations. See, that's what Satan does. Satan is your adversary. What is his primary role as an adversary? Accuser of the brethren. So you have the accuser. He's trying to make his case. You're trying to make your case. And the judge says to you, do you have a paraclete who can back you, who can give more weight to your testimony. And that is also the identification, the understanding as well of what a paraclete does. He is someone who comes alongside of you and stands next to you and fully endorses and backs you and says, I know this person. This person has a good heart. This person may not be perfect, but this person loves God. And this person has a heart to serve God. And this person, I know everything about them. And I fully back and endorse and certify this person. And it, it brings uh, credentials. It brings weight. And the judge goes, okay, all right. Now that's very, very helpful to have a paraclete to stand up for you like that. In a court case, the paraclete would always be somebody preferably of much greater status than you. It would, it would be somebody of notoriety, maybe a very wealthy, very well trusted, integrous businessman, or it could be a very esteemed religious leader, somebody that would come literally by your side put their arm around you and say, I know this person. I vouch for what they're saying. I vouch for their integrity. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. He always builds you up. He will always comfort you against any slanderous words of the enemy. The enemy will say you're guilty. The enemy will say you don't deserve to go to heaven. The enemy will say you're a failure. The enemy will say all kinds of horrible things, but the Holy Spirit says, no, I know this person. This person is a child of God. This person is washed with the blood of Jesus. And I love this person. This person belongs to the family of God. And so, when you just see the word helper here uh, in the English, sometimes we don't understand the tremendous underlying uh, capacity of the Holy Spirit. 
praise God. And that paraclete also is what an advocate does. The advocate is when you begin to get into legalese. That is a legal term used in courtroom type setting. The advocate is there standing up for you, speaking on your behalf. Sometimes when you don't even know what to say, when you don't even know how to pray, okay, Romans 8, 26 and Romans 8, 28. When you don't even know how to pray, your advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit comes next to you and helps you. And if you'll just begin to pray in the Spirit, He will give you the utterance. And as you go further, He can even help you just to groan it out in prayer. Because there are some things we can't even grab it in our vo- in our English vocabulary or national vocabulary, but He will help you pray it through. Why? He knows exactly what the will of God is. He knows exactly what the mind of God is. And He will lead you to pray perfect prayers. And I think also that's something amazing about the Holy Spirit. He can come next to you and He'll say, look, God will do this thing for your life, but it's four years out. So don't put too much emphasis on it right now. You've got to stay focused on your present assignment. You're going to get there, but don't try to force it prematurely. I'm telling you, He will talk to you about all kinds of things. So many times over the last two years, I've taught about the night school of the Spirit, the Nighthawk experience of spending time with the Lord in the uh, dark hours of being with God in your secret place, the uh, private place of deep devotion with God. But you must understand so much of that teaching of the Lord teaching you is done by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who draws near. And you may start your devotional time and you think, Lord, I'm not sure what to talk about. There's a lot of territory I'd like to cover. But as you just relax and get calm, the Holy Spirit will lead you in what's on God's prayer radar. And you could think, okay, uh, I feel a peace, a guidance to pray for my children. I pray, uh, I, I, I sense a joy now to pray for the president. Oh, now I feel that it's totally good for me to pray for my personal needs. And the Holy Spirit just take you through all kinds of amazing things. Wow. Fellowship, intimacy, communion. Praise God. As the Apostle Paul said that you may know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Stephen, can I talk to the Holy Spirit? Well, let me ask you this. Can you talk to God? Yes, of course you can. He's a person. Pastor Stephen, can I worship the Holy Spirit? Well, let me ask you this. Can you worship God? Yes, of course you can. Remember, the seraphim cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy. In other words, holy to the Father, holy to the Son, holy to is the Holy Spirit. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. See, Lord God Almighty is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the Holy Spirit will just teach you all about Jesus, how to please the Lord. That's one of His primary functions, is to teach you how to please the Lord and to show you what would be displeasing to the Lord. Praise God. Now, the more obedient we are to the commandments of the Lord, the closer and the greater the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's pleasing Him that causes Him to come forth with manifested presence. Not just being in us, but manifested presence. Praise God. Father, I pray for Your people today that they endeavor to make the Holy Spirit their best friend. That they will really work on that idea, that potentiality of actually having God as their best friend. Now, Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your Spirit who will never leave us. We give you praise. We thank you for your manifested presence through your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Let's take communion today. I think it's very important to do that today. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise God today and forever. Of course, in this brief period of time, 
we can only touch the tip of the iceberg of the person of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to give you some condensed concrete information about him that will help you to know him as a person and will whet your appetite to know him more as your paraclete walking next to you, holding your right hand and teaching you through intimate conversation. Praise God. Father, we consecrate the bread and the juice. We bless it. This is now the flesh and blood of our Savior Jesus. Praise God. Father, as we partake of the bread, we thank you today for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that your people know him as the person, the third person of the Godhead, as a person. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. I think I'm sensing this by the Spirit of God. There are so many of you right now, you're so excited, you just want to rush off to your prayer time, to your devotional time, and and kind of connect with the Holy Spirit and talk to Him. Yes, absolutely. He really will lead you and guide you. Praise God. And He will converse with you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for the blood of Jesus. We thank You that all of this is possible because of what Jesus did, that without the Lord's death, we would still be separated from you. So Father, we thank you that through the blood of Jesus, we who were once far off have now been brought near. We are now your sons and your daughters. We will live with you forever in heaven. We have nothing but eternal joy to look forward to. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit teaching us, guiding us, instructing us, revealing you to us. We thank you, Father, for the intimate counsel and advice of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. We now receive the blood of Christ in Jesus' name. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining me today. It is my prayer, as I'll be praying for you this week, that you have new encounters with God by and through the wonderful manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.